So are you dreaming? Some people have had that question arise naturally in their minds. Maybe that question has a little bit of a deeper pull at this point in session. Or maybe you're like, stop asking that question. I was appreciating um, to really stay with a koan requires us going through the phase of, I do not want to hear that koan ever again. And to stay with it. There's a part of the ego that doesn't want to be dismantled. And so when we hit that kind of resistance, that could be part of what's going on. I don't like this dream technology. Are you dreaming or are you being dreamed? What's the difference? Someone asked Byron Katie once, if you realize life is a dream, is there any need to wake up from it? If you realize that life is a dream, is there any need to wake up from it? The difference between realize and wake up, I'm not sure. But Byron Katie responded, absolutely none. When you realize this is a dream, you can just lean back and enjoy it. Every moment of it. Having this dream that 40 people are sitting facing me, there's golden light surrounding them. They are quiet, perhaps not out of choice, peaceful, sitting mostly upright. I feel as if they are really listening, different than day one. In my dream, words take form and enter the room. I cannot say that I speak them. In this dream, there's quiet in my heart and waves of physical sensation, heartbeat, the sound of the rain. This dream is still taking form. This dream isn't parametered by time. I can't say when this dream began, and I have no sense if it will end. This dream doesn't belong to me. It's part of a much greater dream that perhaps belongs to us all. What is being dreamed in your dream? Taito said a couple of days ago, if this is a dream, why not fill it with love? 
Do we have that choice? If this is a dream, why not fill it with love? Do you feel empowered to do that? And Byron Katie says, if this is a dream, why not enjoy it? If this is a dream, why not enjoy it? And do you feel empowered to enjoy this dream? So as you may have realized, this dream of the self, it has many layers, many twists and turns. When we started Sashin, we were noticing how our different thought forms and moods are like dreams. Noticing how we dream on top of experience, on top of life as it is. And then we've also been observing that this dream of our life is constantly changing. Been using the phrase, things are arriving or arising, appearing. And we've been chanting this dreamlike chant at noon together sometimes really slow, and so you can really, like, one way that um, lucid dream teachers recommend practicing the dreamlike nature of reality is just going in slow-mo. So we've been doing that a little bit with the noon chant, going in slow-mo. Invoking these images of impermanence, a star at dawn, a bubble in a stream. You can feel yourself as each image when you chant it. A star, a dawn, a bubble in a stream, a flash of lightning in a summer cloud, a flickering lamp, a phantom, and a dream. So is this fleeting world. Read from uh, Joan Sutherland. This is a book called Through Forests of Every Color, Awakening with Koans. And she has a chapter called The Dream. It's a venerable Buddhist idea that life is a dream. Scientists of dark matter and energy tell us that the dark makes up about 96% of the universe. That being the case, we might imagine the visible universe, and she quotes a koan, Shurto's streaming branches of light, as the dream of the dark. We might imagine the visible universe as the dream of the dark. Or what ancestor Ma meant when he called the universe the samadhi, of dharma nature. The universe is the samadhi, the deep meditation of dharma nature. The koans have an unorthodox view, though, or you could say the Zen tradition has an unorthodox view, though. As we awaken, we aren't waking up 
from the dream, but into it. You can say that our lives are illusory, meaning that they're delusional, unreliable, even dangerous. Or you can say that they're dreamlike, fluid, mutable, many-layered, good for challenging the solidity of fixed ideas, the edges of the self, and the boundaries between states of consciousness, our attachment to things as we think they are or want them to be, good for holding things provisionally, for imagining things differently, for taking ourselves as a little less inevitable. How poignant that everything is is fleeting, yet life perseveres. We love even though we know that what we love will change or break or go away, or that we will cause hurt by changing or breaking or going away ourselves. The whole world gets up and enters the day, even though we know that our lives will end on one of these days. This is a noble way of living a dream, things mattering entirely while we are here together, even as we know that everything rises and falls, everything changes, everything passes away. And that <clears throat> phenomena, I think we know and intuit throughout our daily lives and sometimes have big wake-up calls too. And in, in Sashin, we can really see that morphing one moment into the next, nothing holding still, nothing graspable, a dance of constant creativity, pure spontaneity. Robert Aiken says, maintain awareness that all things are swiftly passing and all things are innately interconnected. As Sashin deepens, we can really begin to see how we are being dreamed and begin to get curious about who we are. What is the dream of the self? And who, who is aware of the dream? Who realizes it as a dream? Keep using this word, you. Dogen Sanji says, the dream of all the Buddhas and ancestors exists before a single thought form arises. We have been giving encouragements to notice how experience arises on its own. So one of my favorite ways of noticing that is how the body breathes itself. So, yes, there's a part of us that really intellectually understands that the body is breathing itself. Like, yeah, yeah, I would be dead if that wasn't happening. So stop saying it. 
And yet, it's taken me years of practice to actually experience that, to actually let go enough that I can feel the body breathing itself. Not trying to manipulate the breath, not trying to control the breath, and also not identifying with the breath so much. And so then, so there's knowing, yes, the body is breathing itself, and then there's actually allowing the body to breathe itself. Recognizing, feeling, experiencing cool air entering the nostrils. And like it almost immediately gets warm as it enters the throat and moves, feeling the chest move. Maybe it rises gently. Maybe you can feel the breath even in your back. Maybe you can feel the diaphragm and the abdomen move all the way wherever the bottom is. And then how the exhale happens and warm air exits the nostrils. And language kind of sucks to talk about it. It's such an intimate experience to be breathed, even for part of the breath, right? So some part of you might pick up control as you put a lot of attention on the breath to really let yourself be breathed. Sometimes I find it helpful to just relax awareness into the whole body and let the breath happen and not be super fixated on feeling all the touches but just let the breath happen. Just let the breath happen. The sensations that we call breath arise in awareness. So all during Sashin, and this is part of the art and magic of Sashin, is we're practicing slowing down and paying attention. And as many of you have seen, it takes sometimes great effort to slow down and pay attention. And through that effort, our awareness begins to get more subtle. And we can begin to, at times, ease up on efforting. And, and really bring awareness to this dream of the self that's just arising. So some of the ways I recommend practicing with this, we have been honing awareness using a practice like breath awareness or awareness of body sensations or sound. And so whatever practice you've been using to hone your attention, continuing to stay with that practice, just easing up, 
just receiving and noticing that push-pull between receiving and doing. Can you receive the inhale or allow sounds to resound through you without going out to them or feeling like you're going out to them or just allowing the feelings in the body to rise up on their own? Maybe choosing a part of the body And just seeing, well, actually, can the hand feel the hand? Sometimes when we're making efforts, this feeling sense can arise that there's a me doing my practice. So that's part of what we're exploring right now. And this me, and this this is... Very interesting <laughs> part of Buddha Dharma, part of practice, part of Sashin, is just noticing how that happens, how we create a me and an object of meditation, and what this me is composed of. So when I'm efforting to listen, what happens for me <laughs> is There's this sense of the listener somewhere in here, in the head or in the face or behind the ears or in the heart or in the core of my body. And so this is making effort to listen to that out there. So notice, is that, does that happen for you? Do you have a, a concentrated sense of a listener or a breather or a body feeler. Sometimes we're feeling the body like from the head, like extending some awareness down to the feet, but it feels like the head is extending that awareness. This isn't wrong. It's just noticing like, oh, yeah. We can create a sense of self just based on a concentration of sensations directed in a direction. Or this subject-object duality that we set up to establish concentration. So this is a natural state of concentration, a natural stage of concentration, and an important one because it's helps us move from distracted mind, which is just like ping-ponging to listening thought, listening thought, feeling body, listening thought, listening thought, feeling pinky toe, breathing, oh, reacting to something. So that's distracted mind, which we came into Sashin, most of us, with that. And so then we learn to concentrate, and it's helpful to set up that duality, to concentrate awareness, to pull it in, to actually notice that we have awareness. <laughs> We're not just this ping-ponging mind. So then we develop a more concentrated mind where awareness is harnessed, it's gathered, it's able to stay in the present moment, to rest where we want it. And we want to continue to stabilize attention 
and support the deepening of concentration, but also to begin to explore some basic assumptions that we make about this sense of self and the world. So in the teachings of the Buddha Dharma, we are encouraged to study this self-sense, study the self. The Buddhas and ancestors have observed some basic assumptions about this sense of self and awareness. One is, and this is me paraphrasing, uh, awareness is funct- functions freely through the senses. The awareness is one field of awareness. And we experience our u- awareness is used through this body-mind, uh, through the senses. So awareness through the eyes, we call it seeing. Awareness through the ears, we call it hearing. Awareness through the body, call it physical sensation or feeling or emotion. Awareness through the nose, we call smell. Awareness through the tongue, we call taste. Awareness through the mind, we call thought. And thought often involves a touch sensation or an image or sound or combination of all three. And it's through the senses, which awareness is functioning freely through the senses, and then it's through the senses that we know or can know ourselves and the world. Awareness is one unified field. So even if we're directing our awareness to breath, we can still hear the sound of the bell, right? Most of the time. We're still aware of thoughts or feelings in other parts of the body. In certain states of absorption, it's possible to become so focused on hearing or breath that the other senses seem to drop off into the background. But those are concentration states that are quite compelling, but aren't really the focus of Zen practice. Zen is more interested in freedom in all conditions. And absorption states are really uh, states of concentration that are conditioned. So in Zen, we use the concentrated mind, recognizing that the concentrated mind is more malleable, serviceable, And we use that concentrated mind to look into the nature of experience. This is where freedom and insight and deep love can be found. So awareness is a unified field. And while awareness is functioning freely through the senses, it's inseparable from the content of awareness. But we are so habituated to relating to the content of awareness as real. The content of awareness includes thought, body sensations, other people that we perceive through sound and visual field. So we're so used to reifying those things, reifying other, reifying self, reifying other, reifying thoughts, reacting to thoughts, that it can be skillful to distinguish awareness from the content of awareness. All sense experience equally arises in awareness. All sense experience is happening in awareness. 
as dreams. So that's where this theme of dream comes in. Everything that's happening in your awareness, all the senses are arising as dream. They're fluid, they're mutable, they're changing. They're the content of awareness. The content of the dream. And this is something we can really begin to observe. And this is something that can lead to freedom. So one way of observing it is to open your eyes and see how the whole zendo arises in your awareness when you open your eyes. So you might close your eyes first and then open them. The whole zendo arises in your awareness. And then turn your head and look behind you and see how the people, the floor, the walls, the space of the room arises in your awareness. And then look out the window and see how the rain, the grasses, the funny looking jizo, the colors, forms, they all arise in your awareness. Anything that you see is arising in your awareness because awareness is functioning freely through your eyes. We're all in your mind. The whole world is arising in your awareness. So continuing to stay with the visual field Like bring sound online, open to the awareness of sounds. And notice that the sound of my voice, sound of the rain, sound of your breath or your heartbeat or whatever you're hearing is also arising in your awareness, including the sound of your thoughts inseparable from awareness. The same awareness that the zendo is arising in, that my body is arising in, that your body is arising in. That's where it gets a little trippy. Your body is arising in your mind. That's one of my favorite ones to practice with. And now become, we'll, we'll hone on that one now. Become aware of the sensations of your breath. And notice how breath too is arising in awareness. And hopefully you're beginning to see that awareness is not limited to your head. And then you can let the rest of your body come online. Your legs, arms, whole body, feelings, moods, emotions, all arising in awareness. The same awareness that 
the rain, the forest, the sky, the zendo, all the other people are arising in. And then include any smells or tastes also arising in awareness. And last, allow thoughts to come into awareness. Probably already have been. And just attending to that, noticing that. So everything, all your senses are open and you're just receiving whatever arises in awareness. And it's, in a way, it's all equal. So in the Zen tradition, we have this phrase, one taste of awareness. It's all equal from this perspective. Thoughts, body sensations, sounds, the room, all arising in awareness. Any thoughts, the juiciest fantasy, the angry part of you, the fear, the flash of you as a two-year-old, it all arises in awareness. And what often happens, we experience this all the time, what often happens is certain things have a little bit more grab. So there's the image of me as a two-year-old, and then I have all these stories about that, that one. And I get sucked in, and I lose the rest of the room. I lose my body for a moment or a year. And so in, in Zen practice and in Sashin, we can notice when we get st- stuck in something. We f- we contract or we start to fight with. And then we can step by step come back to awareness. So it's that noticing. And then can you open the hand of thought? Can you recognize thought? Oh, I'm thinking. Can you come back to something that's happening in the present moment? The zendo floor, the breath, the body and then open all your senses. Oh yeah, the body is also just arising in awareness. So the whole world, anything you experience is always being experienced in awareness. It's so intimate. Maybe that's part of the reason why we shy away from this realization. It's so intimate. You are arising in my mind. I'm arising in your mind. Can we really take that in? Then we have this habit of localizing awareness. Somewhere in the body, somewhere in the head. That's why 
recognizing that your body is arising or what we call my body is arising in awareness can be particularly juicy to this insight of the dream body because we're used to localizing awareness somewhere in the head. So it's like, oh yes, everything is arising in awareness. And I'm sitting here, everything is arising in awareness around me. But it's like, actually you are too, this thing you're calling you, your body. And so there's this analogy that I haven't gone to Sashin without saying, Awareness is as vast as the sky. Awareness is as vast as the sky. Sometimes in Zen we use the word, there's so many words to point us to this because it's subtle and the habit of contracting around a self is so strong or localizing awareness is so strong. In Zen we sometimes use the word the host. Awareness is the host, is hosting all experience, which is changing, hosting the dream, the dream of the self. The dream of the self, the dream of the world arise in awareness, just like the dreams that happen in the night. And that's where the analogy is really alive. The dream of the self, the dream of the world arises in awareness. We, this sense of self, are being dreamed. Can you let yourself be dreamed? Can you love the dream that's happening now? I'm going to read a little more from Byron Katie. So this um, book, she's commenting on the, the Diamond Sutra, and this last paragraph that I'm going to read is her commenting on uh, the verse of the Diamond Sutra that we're chanting. And she titles this, Loving the Dream. The name creates the thing. It's how eternity separates itself out into illusion. So Byron Katie isn't a Buddhist, and that's one of the reasons I want to read her, because she's not going to use Buddhist language, and it's, so it's a little fresher. The name creates the thing. It's how eternity separates itself out into illusion, as though it could ever exist in parts and not as the whole. Naming is like eternity until the name is believed. The moment a name is believed, table, chair, tree, sky, a sadness, however subtle, arises in the namer. But when you understand that even the present is in the past, it's easy not to get attached to names and the apparent things they name. They're all a dream, as the Buddha says here. I love my dream. How could I not since I love everything I think? But if you're having a nightmare, even a small one, a moment of anxiety or upset, you can wake yourself up through inquiry. 
these things that are so fleeting that they don't even exist in the first place, these things that are pure, innocent imagination, no longer have the power to make us suffer when the mind understands how they are created. The more it understands, the less it knows. The don't know mind is a container that's always full. Everything flows into it, and there's never a need to hold on to a drop for itself. It's the innocent that watches the whole world come to it. Things enter with their best and worst behavior, their most shameful, their most glorious, their richest, their poorest. Everything is allowed. It is always vast enough to contain what flows into it. And in it, everyone gets what they came for. A look, a glimpse, the gift of love. The don't know mind is constant. It's the floor. It's the voice of someone across the room. It's the tapping of a fingernail, a patch of sunlight on the white wall, the fireplace tools, the smell of cooking, the touch of a hand. All of it is precious. None of it is real. Or none of it is real in the sense that we think it is. So in that, she's pointing to the don't know mind, which is what I've been calling awareness, where she also calls it the innocent. And she's talking about that inseparability of awareness and the objects of awareness. So we can familiarize ourselves with this innocent one, with the don't know mind or with awareness. Awareness is always okay with what is happening. Awareness is the one, or the innocent, I like that phrasing of it, is the one that doesn't judge or try to fix, who isn't trying to improve your body, mind, or emotional reactivity, but sees it just as it's arising already as a dream. Awareness is the one who simply is. Dogen Zenji says, in a more poetic way, although we get tangled up in confusion upon confusion, still we are walking the path of the vast sky. Even if we are too tangled up to notice it, still awareness is functioning freely. Still, from the perspective of awake awareness, all is okay. Still, we are all appearing in the vast sky of mind's nature. We don't have to realize it. We might suffer more, but we don't have to realize it. It's still happening, whether we realize it or not. To recognize the innocent don't know mind gives us more freedom to take this personality, this body with its predictive brain and limbic system survival responses, 
less personally. And that's where freedom is found. So I'm going to tell a little story. Uh, Kenyo and I spent some time with Jogen Sensei after March Sashin. And a couple of times he referred to the three of us, Kenyo, me, and Jogen Sensei, as four. And I assumed the first time that he was including Adrian, his girlfriend, as the fourth, because we were talking about something we might do in the future. And I thought, oh, he just wants us to include her. And then the second time, we were making plans for breakfast, and he said it again. He said, the four of us. And it was just me, Kenyo, and Jogan Sensei. And I was like, oh, maybe he wants me to include Kosho. And I asked him that, and he looked at me. He looked at Kenyo. He looked at his own body, and he laughed. <laughs> and he said, oh, I've been doing this a lot. When I take the position of awareness, I count Jogan as a character <laughs> in awareness. I loved that. He was dead serious. <laughs> so awakening awareness doesn't mean that this human personality and body are suddenly perfect. It doesn't mean that the body and personality are suddenly free from all the conditions of being human. Our bodies will continue to get tired, they'll need to be fed, our brains will continue to make predictions like Miyoyu was talking about. Sometimes people worry that when they awaken they won't like the foods that they like now or enjoy sex or care about the suffering in the world that they will become somehow detached or indifferent, have no preferences like the chant says, or something like that. But as we awaken awareness, it's like we can awaken awareness and then let the self be the self. Let the body be the body with a lot more tenderness and patience for its imperfections, its awkwardnesses, its limbic system responses that are fear-based. And we can love its love for chocolate cake and its need to dance once in a while. And we can accept its tantrums and bad puns, its pimples and farts, as well as its dreams for self-improvement and the way it works so hard for the things it really cares about. And that's the self being the self and awakened awareness being awakened awareness. Dogen Zenji says, an awakened person and a deluded person share the same boat, share the same body. We just like think that the deluded person needs to wake up and like become perfect, whereas we can just be the awakened person and appreciate the deluded person. <laughs> it's, for it being cast in a net of causes and conditions that are mysterious and that have been happening since before we were born. And this is the predicament we're in. The myriad causes and conditions will continue to arise. This body is conditioned. And the more we live from awareness, the less caught we are in that habitual reaction. 
the more we can exercise choice. And part of that choice is choosing, getting to choose to enjoy the dream or to love what's happening simply because that's what's happening. And then choosing to respond from compassion when a response is needed, knowing that every response is imperfect in its expression and perfect in its being. I recognize this every time I pick up the mic during session. I'm going to try to respond to the moment. It will be imperfect in its expression. And it's perfect just because it is. Don't always remember that part. I'll end with Rumi's words. Inner wakefulness. This place is a dream. Only a sleeper considers it real. Then death comes like dawn and you wake up laughing at what you thought was your grief. A man goes to sleep in the town where he has always lived and he dreams he's living in another town. In the dream, he doesn't remember the town he's sleeping in in his bed and he believes the reality of the dream town. This world is that kind of sleep. Humankind is being led along an evolving course through this migration of intelligences. And though we seem to be sleeping, there is an inner wakefulness that directs the dream and that will eventually startle us back to the truth of who we are.